Oh, God. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's time for the radio show. It's the Earth Wants You. Just ignore the hurricane. Ignore the tornado. Just get on the radio. Get on the radio. They're listening. They're listening. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is The Earth Wants You. The Earth Wants Us and to I'm Do What? Savitri D with my co-host and hysterical partner, Reverend Billy. Earthalooya, everybody. Earthalooya. I'm glad you're with us today. We need your support and energy. We are exhausted. What, exhausted. What, what do you mean we need their support? We, we need them to write us letters and say, Listen, if you it's think, okay. If you think it's going to be all right. think that we're just asking for money again like... No, all no. The that's other not what we're asking for. We're asking for feedback. This, all of our, all of our, the people that we agree with politically, they're all begging. You know for what? Money. I don't want to talk about this. Actually, let's change the subject. Not interesting. Change the subject. Nobody wants to hear that. Let's talk about the end of the world, which is which is pressing upon us. The end of the world is upon us. There was a tornado in suburban Seattle yesterday, which I've never heard of in my life, but there you go. Well, that makes me smile. I, I don't want to wish bad things. You wouldn't smile if you'd seen the, the photos Seattle. of the destruction. Oh, you wouldn't no. be smiling. I'm sorry. Yes. That's nihilistic to enjoy tornadoes. Nihilistic. Nihilistic. Which is at odds with our activism. Now, let me tell you, listeners, we're exhausted if we argue, quibble, bark at each other. Just have some compassion for us because Billy and I both, we need some days off. Forgiveness Maybe one day off. Forgive a somebody. (laughs) So yesterday, uh, International Day of the Migrant, we were on this street. We were up at Trump Tower uh, memorializing Jacqueline uh, Kal Maki, who is a Guatemalan girl uh, who died in Border Patrol custody. The day before, we were at the trial of Patricia Okumu, who has been on this show and uh, was found guilty on three counts of federal <clears throat> misdemeanors. Uh, she'll be sentenced in March. We had a show on Sunday. It's been a busy few days. Patricia is, for three months, she's going to have a good p- big bullhorn. A big bullhorn. I think that that I mean, I don't know. I don't know what uh, kind of sentence she will get for what was clearly a protest and not nearly as dangerous as the police were describing it. I mean, she just went up on the on the up on those broken chains, those big green feet of the Statue I of think Liberty. It's and- hard to talk about danger, right? Because they're all fine, so it's not dangerous because they were all fine. The perception of danger and the the possibility of danger. What an interesting concept! Like they're all fine. You Patrice, know? Patricia and as the would police, have had to have fallen directly upon a tourist. No, I think the real know? endangerment was about the police themselves and their climb up to get her. And you know, as the policeman himself said, you know, we all came down, and that's what matters, and that is all that matters. Uh, finally, but but uh, clearing you know, the whole island and making no, no, that was silly. Making it look as if there's this scale. So, for those of you who don't know, she climbed the Statue of Liberty, and then they proceeded to evacuate not just the Statue of Liberty, but the entire island around Liberty it. Island. It's called. So thousands of people had to get on boats and go, and uh, you know, it was an over response. But I will say, in the courtroom, that never came up again, and the prosecutors didn't. I don't think it was being considered by the judge because I think it was made very clear right away that that was an unnecessary step because even when there was a, an incendiary 
device on the island of whatever that was a, a year ago or two years ago, what they thought was a bomb. They only cleared a thousand feet away from it. It and seems the, to me that it's more in the press where that, that kind of overreaction is clearly what the military does now. You know, the, the military says, we're in a different world than you are. We're in the actual world. And you're out there in fantasy liberal land. Right. And I think field officers always want to say, oh, like it's an opportunity to test our system. So I think in some ways, commanders in those situations are like, great, we'll test whether we can evacuate the island. This is a good chance to do it. You know, which again, like how do you have a fire drill at Liberty Island? Well, you wait for an amazing activist named Patricia Okumu to come. And then you have your stupid fire drill, which costs you know, I don't know. How much does it cost? Not, I don't want to implicate Patricia and the cost of the evacuation. So never mind. Let's move on. Let's, <laughs> let's just uh, reach out to our listeners right now in <laughs> Richmond, Virginia. In yeah, Taos, New Taos. Mexico. Uh, the the, the uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. We, we just want you to uh, think for a moment of uh, a moment when your parents were completely overbearing and uh, maybe they were even wearing a uniform and maybe there's back and more than the maybe there's one more than one moment where that happened and and also to say that in, in a little while we'll have Sarah Gazalo on from Tijuana uh, she's been working on the board of the last couple of weeks she's going to talk to us about what's going on down there and uh, for so now so we're like talking to our saints aren't we we've we've had Patricia Okumu as uh, one of our saints at the uh, church of stop shopping and then the the folks that went down to the Tijuana-San Diego border also, we sent them off. That was our first Sunday. And now this last Sunday was Gaze Against Guns. But now it's time to move on. Praise be. Let's go to Howlin' Wolf. Howl a little bit to us. Amen. Well, now meet me in the bottom. Bring me my running shoes. Beat me in the bottom Bring me my running shoes When I come out the window Won't have no time to lose
The great Howlin' Wolf. Amen. He's really something, that guy. That voice. He needs his running shoes. <laughs> I need my running shoes. It's a shoes. life and death situation. <laughs> I need my running shoes. <laughs> Shall that's we how turn? We're starting our, uh, that's how we're starting our, our church service on Sundays is by we're all running trying to escape. Running, 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 running. It's not a tsunami. It's a running, 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 racist running, president. Running, it's not a racist president. It's a running. Earthquake, mudslide, wildfire. When we gonna get to higher ground? Running. Let's just keep a little humor in music here Let's at the try. end of the world, shall we? Yeah. Let's go straight to the news. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Public health officials have warned about a rising epidemic of loneliness with rates of loneliness reportedly doubling over the past 50 years. In a new study, researchers at University of California, San Diego School of Medicine put a specific concerning and surprising face to the issue. They found that moderate to severe loneliness persists across the adult lifespan and is particularly acute during three age periods, late 20s, mid 50s, and late 80s. I'm, I'm free at the moment. I'm free from the loneliness. I'm in the gap there. <laughs> the New York Attorney General has published a new investigation that found more than a quarter of fish bought in New York supermarkets is mislabeled as something else. What? <laughs> New research on how trees serve as extremely efficient carbon dioxide absorbers with a single tree in the Amazon rainforest taking in 48 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. That means a forest can take in as much carbon dioxide as some entire countries emit. Researchers reported this year that the Amazon rainforest over the past 30 years has more than offset the emissions of every county, sorry, every country in South America it runs through with the exception of Venezuela. Clashes in Nigeria between farmers and semi-nomadic herders have killed more than 3,600 people since 2016, most of them this year. Uh, a new amnesty report uh, documents an upsurge in violence uh, that could sway the results of an upcoming election. The violence is often painted as ethno-religious, chiefly Muslim Fulani herders clashing with mainly Christian farmers. But many experts and politicians say climate change and expanding agriculture are creating competition for land that is pushing the farmers and herders into conflict, mm -hmm. regardless of mm -hmm. faith or ethnicity. Any new public transit bus purchased in California by 2029 must be a 100% electric vehicle. 
According to a new unanimous vote by the California Air Resources Board, the state's clean air agency. It is the first statewide policy in the U.S. to require an entire vehicle class go electric. Within five years, 25% of transit agencies' new bus purchases must be electric vehicles. That jumps to 50% by 2026 and 100% by 2029. This equates to about 14,000 zero-emissions buses on California roads by 2040, up from, guess how many there are today? 7,000. <laughs> no, 132. <laughs> this is a vertical climb, people. Uh. <laughs> They hope to reduce the state's carbon emissions by 1 million metric tons per year in just two decades. School buses and privately owned buses are not covered under the policy. And that is too bad because our school buses should be clean. Uh, Americans spent $6 billion in a five-year period on human injuries caused by animals. A study found that patients most likely to be injured by bites from venomous snakes, spiders, and insects were in the lowest 25% of household income in their zip code. So, oddly enough... Say it. Oddly enough, the the same things that affect us, like in terms of toxicity and and extraction, uh, also hold true of animals. That The most vulnerable people, it turns out, are the most vulnerable people. Uh, cement is the source of about 8% of the world's carbon dioxide emissions, according to a think tank. If the cement industry were a country, it would be the third largest emitter in the world, behind China and the U.S. It contributes more CO2 than aviation fuel and is not far behind the global agriculture business. What? So is that, is that while, that is that after the cement is laid, or is, or no, is no, that no, during the, the process? process. It's the part of the process called clinking. Uh, anyway, production has increased more than 30-fold since 1950 and almost fourfold since 1990. And get this, China used more cement between 2011 and 2013 than the United States did in the entire 20th century. The floor area of the world's buildings is projected to double in the next 40 years, requiring cement production to increase by a quarter by 2030. The earliest use of concrete is believed to have been more than 8,000 years ago, with traders in Syria and Jordan creating concrete floors, buildings, and underground cisterns. And later, the Romans were known to be masters of concrete, building the Pantheon in Rome around 125 AD, with with its huge freestanding concrete dome, still the largest in the world. If you add to the, the highways and all the cement structures, what goes on as a result of the highways, the cars and trucks. Mm. That must be a a sizable percentage of the CO2. I think that the formation of highways uh, is different from just straight up concrete. You know, there are other elements there, but, oh, I see you're saying to add the the cars and trucks. The building floor space and the the highways, the, the whole the whole regime of cement. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole Foods Market, hailed for its high standards of healthy food, ranked worst in a study of five major U.S. grocery chains for chemicals it uses in packaging at its popular hot food bar. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to go to isthishowyoufeel.com uh, to read letters from scientists about how they feel about climate change. And here's one from a scientist called Carlo Buontempo. I feel tired, 
this is how I feel about climate change. At times, I think this is not right. There's so much noise around the issue. I often feel compelled to be outraged by our own inability as a species to respond to the challenge climate change poses. But the truth is that more often than not, I just feel tired. As a scientist, I found consensus incredibly boring. What motivated me to become a scientist in the first place was my desire to explain and model things we didn't understand. It was never about preaching others preaching to others about an existing scientific consensus. I feel uncomfortable in this strange role, nearly as much as I am in discussing about believing or not believing in climate change. I'm also tired of a debate that often becomes confrontational, dogmatic, and sterile. But I am an optimist by nature, and I like to think there's a lot we can we can do as scientists to reframe the dialogue between providers and users of climate information and present our collective knowledge in a way that is both more relevant and usable by us as a species. And that writing is as boring as scientists often are in their writing. <laughs> and one of the reasons, you know, you know, I love the natural scientists, uh, they were trying so hard, but Carl Sagan died. I guess David Attenborough is our present uh, nature spokesperson. E.O. Wilson, Elizabeth Colbert. Honey, There's some great people out there, but but uh, don't they be negative had to about learn them. something about language. Excuse me, they had to cross the border over to the, you know, the the language arts because they had to persuade us all faster than they did. Who's the greatest persuader? The climate change is real. One. The Earth. Two, the Earth. Obviously. How many listeners got the answer before the buzzer? <laughs> yes, I just I'm giving Earth. up on the news. Like the super there's storms. No, I have more news, but I'm just going to abandon it now because I just can't. I can't. I can't. Can't get through it. I understand that one. You could, especially that that scientist's prose needs work. Needs. Oh, work. Billy, don't be so judgmental. <laughs> really, I mean, you're already a reverend. Isn't that bad enough? Now you have to be judgmental on top of I'm it. I'm reacting to the fact that he used preaching in a pejorative way in his letter. Did you catch that? I don't mean to be preaching, he said. Well, you know, the scientists could have learned something from the preachers. Turn off the content like I do. Turn off the, the fundamentalist hate and fear that preachers have. And listen to how they carry their voice. It's more like Howlin' Wolf than anybody else. Meet me at the bottom. You know, but sometimes you can't get through. Sometimes you can't turn off the content, may I say. Sometimes you know, it's hard to turn off the content when they're, you know, in the Oval Office and they're talking to I don't think it's 45. just that. You know, we live in a Christian nation and, I, and, and it's all embedded in our laws and our language and our narratives and everything around us. And sometimes you just want to say enough's enough. I want the, the, the fowl of the air and the, and the creatures on all fours in uh, Genesis I want them. To, Genesis, to, that's a band, right? Yes, right. From the 80s? Yes, from the 80s. It's the right. uh, Yes and Genesis. Journey, and is that the same Journey. kind of thing? <laughs> I want the animals to have dominion over the Christians, which, which segues nicely into a poem that I'd like to read. Oh, a poem. How wonderful. You read, <laughs> that's you a read half. Phrase. You read half and then hand it off to me. It's entitled, We Three Kings. I will read the first half. Should I hum, We Three Kings <laughs> of Glory That ruins it, darling. Okay, that ruins that. it. We Three Kings. 
The star we are following is slowing down over a flock of seabirds that shriek like they're having sex. There's an old barn circled by muddy animals that seem to expect us. We follow the quiet beasts into the straw and the warm smells. A weary young couple is staring into a feeding box that glows. Is there a child in this gray wooden cradle? Or is it a computer? <laughs> we peer over the edge and behold, we are deep in the sky and there is the earth in her majestic slow motion, blue and white and beautiful. The spinning wet rock is flowing with newborns in waves and wind. Living beings rising, laughing, amazed to have wings. Running like cheetahs and somersaulting like dolphins and, and we sink to our knees and wonder before the miracle of this world. How does this happen, this burst of life that we have seen? Life is leading us to more and more life and that is all. We come bearing gifts. Is there a new prince to give our money and jewels? The young couple and the animals, they gaze at us with the same thoughtful eyes. All the eyes in the barn and on the hillsides reflect the one shining thought. This earth, this earth, she gives us everything we have. We will give her everything we have. Thank and there, you. a there Christmas poem by Reverend Billy Talon. The three kings went through <laughs> a bit of a change in that <laughs> barn. By the end of the poem, I forgot all about the three kings. Also about Jesus. And that's a good thing. That's good a good job. thing. <laughs> um, here, we're going to turn to Sarah Gazzalo from the New Sanctuary Coalition, who uh, joined me on the phone earlier today uh, from Tijuana, where she's setting up a pro se clinic. Uh just, a what clinic? What did um, you say? A pro se clinic, which is uh, about people advocating for themselves. They be, they basically teach people to be their own lawyer, which is a great. We should all be our own lawyers. Like that two year old that had to face that judge. I mean, obviously, no, not like the two year old, but you know. I'm sorry, I threw a wrench in your lovely introduction, Sarah. Look forward to this. Just to let you know, we were speaking on an encrypted line, and so occasionally it breaks up. We'll try to cut around it, uh, but forgive us for those technical issues. Here, Sarah Gazzalo. Uh, I'm very happy to have Sarah Gazzalo of the New Sanctuary Coalition on the phone. Right now she's in Tijuana. She's been down there for a couple of weeks. Sarah, welcome to The Earth Wants You. Well, thank you. It's so good to hear your voice, Avi. You have no idea. Tell us what's been going on down there. You got there on the 5th of December, and what's been happening since you arrived? Yeah, we came down, and first uh, we organized a little bit in San Diego, which is the place where we're training volunteers who are coming to do work on the ground here at the border. And then we came into Tijuana and started organizing here, um, getting to know other organizations who've been doing a lot of work here on the ground for years, trying to start understanding what the border is and the crisis that's happening right now in Tijuana, because as you know, Tijuana has been hit with an exodus of about 6,000 people and Tijuana was already suffering because of economic issues. And all of a sudden, 
you know, the, the community is hurting even more, not to mention the thousands of people who are sleeping in tent cities, in refugee camps, on the streets, in stadiums, in shelters. Mm. And as of right now, the border is only admitting an average of 40 people per day. Wow. And so if you do the math, people are going to be stuck here for months. There is a number system that um, is is run by different groups on the ground, including some of the affected community members, which creates a weird dynamic. So and it's like a lottery. It's like a lottery to see who gets to go so up that day. Kind of is there's a list every morning at the border where people who want to cross have to sign up. Mm-hmm. And they're given a number in a piece of paper that's smaller than a fortune cookie. And that is their turn to cross the border. And as of right now, I think we're on number 1318. And the last that was the last number that was called to cross yesterday. And the last number that was given is like 1820. Wow. And... And each number is 10 people. Okay. And and so those 10 people, are do they know each other or are they just pushed together? No. They're just pushed together and then they go on a bus and they are driven across to the United States. And CBP decides every day how many numbers they're going to call. Let me just interrupt you for a second. Um, I know we're on an encrypted line right now, uh, listeners, so it is breaking up a little bit. And I wonder, Sarah, is there, maybe you can explain to our listeners why, why we're on an encrypted line. Um, so security is super important. Um, we don't want people to necessarily know what we're doing here because then we become a target, which means then our friends can become a target, the affected community down here. And there are nationalists both on the Mexican side and the U.S. side, and we are trying to not become a target of those groups who, by the way, on the ground, are they're targeting them. They're harassing them. So, Sarah, have you set up the Pro Se Clinic, the, the uh, For the Self in-person clinic that you, that you went down there to set up? Yes, we have started doing intakes with our friends, which is beautiful because the way our clinic works is one-on-one meaning a group is going to work with one friend and what i have seen is people need to tell their stories people need to be um consider us individuals as opposed as a group mm-hmm. uh, one one of the things we've done is make everyone into uh, the caravan when every individual has a different story every individual has a different struggle every individual is in need of attention i gave a hug to one of our friends the other day who said nobody has hugged me since i left my country oh. two, two months ago right right so there's a real lack of i mean I, I, the conditions themselves must kind of um isolate people there are refugee camps where people are sleeping on tents when it rains it floods there is not enough food there is not enough care People are scared, and but also is a lack of humanity mm-hmm. is the part. Even that list, the fact that you become a number mm-hmm. takes away all your humanity and all your identity. And so being able to sit with a friend and ask them how they're doing. And honestly, once you ask them how they're doing, most of them 
break down because nobody has asked them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody has scared how they're doing. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know me, Savvy, I am my happiest when I'm working in solidarity with our friends. And so that's been a, a real privilege down here. And we have friends who are helping us run the clinic, which mm -hmm. is also a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's really exciting. I want to go back briefly to the um, the right wing sort of militant people who are crowding mm -hmm. around. Um, mm -hmm. So we've heard mixed reports in the U.S. about them, right? We heard they were going and then it's hard to find actual news about them because they're quite secretive. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Is it a reality on the ground? Are they people that you can see? Do they stand and scare people? What do they do? What are their tactics? Mm -hmm. So there are in Mexico, I don't know what's happening in the US to be honest, but in Mexico there have been some groups that have specifically targeted people whose faces have been visible because of the media. Mm. Um and but they're they're not up and around like protesting and mm -hmm. they do it in a very secretive way. And so there are a lot of um, you know, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like you, you, you want to be very careful with everything you do with every time you're talking to someone, because also you don't know who is part of this nationalist group. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm trying not to be paranoid. You are listening to The Earth Wants You with Reverend Billy and Savitri D. This show is a production of the Church of Stop Shopping. And ladies and gentlemen, since it is the season of giving, we are asking you to kindly donate to the church. All the musicians, the songs, the court costs for the activists who sing and also get arrested on occasion. All this adds up. If you could please go to revbilly.com, that's revbilly.com, and you'll find a donation button there. Or find us on Patreon and give whatever you can this Christmas. Earthalooyah. Are they turning away? Are they leaving? I think people have given up, which is the other reason why I feel the clinic and the one-on-one -on -one attention is helpful. So I, I, we know that a lot of people are going back to their home desperate because the conditions here are desperate. Right, right. Um, but a lot of them are saying because they simply cannot go back. They'll, they'll go back to their deaths. And so do you feel there's any international presence or do you want there to be more of an international aid presence there? Yeah, so I think there, there is some international presence here. Uh, the Red Cross, UNHCR, UNICEF are here, at least in one of the camps that I've seen. To be honest, I think that there is a real need to organize in the U.S., which is the place where our friends are trying to go to. And so, again, organizing to say we're ready to receive people so that CBP doesn't have to put them in detention first, I think would be incredible. Mm -hmm. And uh, we specifically need a lot of Spanish speakers to help us with the clinic mm -hmm. and to be able to see more and more people. Mm -hmm. And I think that faith communities have the responsibility to shed a light onto what's happening at the border specifically. Right. But um, I think that... Um, if you're home and you can't come to the border, there is a real need to organize in your city to make it very obvious that you're ready, that if 100 people cross, you would take them and you would make sure that they're sponsors and that you can place them somewhere safe and continue to fight with them. And that's what will change the system mm -hmm. is that 
if we are prepared to then take the people that we are demanding cross our border. Right. Did, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday uh, that the policy has changed on, on family sponsorship in order to release a lot of those children from detention. Did you see that news come through yesterday? I wonder yeah, what your they're, thoughts they're are. Targeting, they're targeting undocumented parents. Is that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. I mean, my thoughts are that this administration is attacking every possible angle to make it impossible for people from Central American countries to migrate to our country. And Central America, from the stories that I hear, is not a place where people can live safely right now. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is attacking every possible angle so that people cannot come to our country for safety. Mm -hmm. And they are doing that with asylum. They're doing that with unaccompanied children. They are doing that. I mean, I, I, I feel like these guys have a checklist of all the ways that people come, come into the United States and trying to shut down those possibilities. So when people say you should get in line, they're getting rid of the few lines that were left right, right. and making it, making it impossible for people to exercise their international and domestic right to cross our country and seek safety. That's right. And I wonder also what you think. Um, so many times we hear that people still believe in the U.S. They still believe in the freedom and opportunity that's there. Um, and you wonder why, um, I mean, I don't wonder, you probably don't wonder, but w lots of people, the media is often asking, like, why do these people come if it's so hard to get here? Why don't they just stay? Why are they bringing their kids on these dangerous journeys? Uh, yesterday, we uh, there were many vigils around New York for... Um, for Jacqueline uh, Makin, yeah. you know, who died in Border Patrol custody. Uh, and again and again, the question comes up, you know, why do people still believe in coming to the U.S.? I mean, they believe in coming to the U.S., one, because they're, the alternative is death. Mm -hmm. And so when the alternative is death, you're at least going to fight and you're going to fight for your life and the life of your loved ones. They're coming to the United States because it is the richest country in the world, because the truth is the United States has the capacity to take them. Right. The United States has the opportunities. The United States was um, has grown into the empire that it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so now it's our turn mm -hmm. to take everyone who needs. That's right. So you've been working in New York on these issues for years and years. What are the differences for you working there in Tijuana uh, versus in New York City? For one, our friends that we are working with are literally living in tent cities and we are there working with them. So you really see firsthand it's not just how are they going to cross, but their needs, mm -hmm. whether their kids are getting fed, whether they have diapers, did they, were they able to go to the doctor? Are they being harassed at night? Are they safe when they're sleeping in a tent? So there is also the reality of their living conditions that I did not have to witness in New York. So mm -hmm. that part is hard. Mm -hmm. Also, the determination of people. I've, most, I've met most of our friends once they had met had done this journey to see their strength mm. to see their courage mm. firsthand when they tell you i am gonna cross i know i'm gonna cross is inspiring wow yeah and i think it would be an honor to take people who are willing to fight as hard as our friends are willing to fight 
I agree. It is an honor. It's an honor to, it's also an honor just to uh, help people. I mean, I think we've forgotten that in our culture, right? Like the, the honor of service, right? Can you mm-hmm. talk about yeah. like the people coming from the U.S. to do volunteer work? Because I know they're starting to arrive now. Yeah. And so we have people who are coming from all over the place. We have people from Colorado, from Seattle, from Albuquerque, from California, from Massachusetts, from New York. And to me, the most beautiful thing, and I tell them, when you go back, you have to start organizing at home. Like Mm -hmm. when you come to the border for a week, that's not, oh, I did it. That's just the first step to then continue to organize back home. And that would be the message I send to everyone that this is just like the very, very beginning. And then the real work is for us to organize back in the United States to be able to receive everyone, to be able to support everyone as they go through their deportation process, to be able to accompany them, to be able to provide for them, and to be able to empower and organize with them. And finally, Sarah, I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, we focus a lot on earth justice and earth action here Mm -hmm. at The Earth Wants You. And I wonder if you're hearing stories about climate and about growing and hunger Mm -hmm. and about the state Mm -hmm. of the um, the environment in Central America, because we're hearing a lot of, uh, you know, science about that, but not very many human stories. Um, Yeah, I think that a lot of people from Honduras, for instance, are leaving because they're being displaced from their land or were displaced for the land and were forced into a city that now is controlled by a gang. And as the climate changes as well, um, doing the usual work of agriculture has become very challenging. And so people are forced to migrate within their country. And then once they've migrated within their country, their lives become in danger and so then they have to migrate outside of their country i know you're really busy so i just want to thank you for your time but also if there's anything else you want to say to our listeners like what 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 should someone do today if they can't come there should they send money should they start organizing i know you mentioned that but what are some things someone can do from where they are today Yeah, we definitely need money and you can donate at sanctuarycaravan.org. But also, honestly, start talking to the houses of worship in your neighborhood to see, to demand that they step it up and become involved in receiving people who are going to be crossing, who are going to be sent to detention. Um, Create process clinics in your city. We can help you do that. If you can come to the border, especially if you're a Spanish speaker, please do. Again, you can go to sanctuarycaravan.org to get all the information about how to do that. But that there is a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done at home. Okay, Sarah. Well, we'll see you soon. Stay safe. And all of our love to you you and your community there. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Bye.
our new song, Love No Border. Love No Border. It was Nehemiah exciting Luckett. to hear that right after listening to uh, Sarah talk That's to right. you from uh, the Tijuana-San Diego border. Yeah, great to talk to Sarah and, and hear what she's doing down there and the great work that so many people are doing. Um, thank you. Uh, and please go get involved if you want. There's, there's many ways to participate. We turn to Extinction Got Talent today because of activism. I was reading about the First Nation people in Canada who are working so hard to save the caribou herds um, who are threatened now. I mean, there's obviously still a lot of caribou, but in in terms of their overall numbers and herd animals rely on the herd to be, exist, you know, so uh, they're working hard to save those, those herds. And, um, the caribou, also known as the reindeer, which is the name it's given in, in Asia. Um, and also when we domesticate a caribou, we call it a reindeer. But uh, As in our Christmas stories. Yes. It, up it, on the rooftop. The caribou has a distinctive tall and flat antler set. The caribou is one of Canada's most recognizable species inhabiting the Arctic as well as boreal and mountain regions. Male caribou are called bulls and weigh a lot. And the females are called cows. These stately members of the deer family were once one of Canada's most widespread wildlife species found in over 80% of the country. Today, though, their numbers are dropping dramatically for many herds by more than 90%. What? Uh, Caribou and reindeer uh, reindeer are actually one and the same. Reindeer is the name given to caribou in Scandinavia and Russia. But caribou and reindeer are the same species wherever they are found. When caribou forage on vegetation in the summer, they change decomposition. They change decomposition and nutrients of the tundra soil. Their droppings add nitrogen to the soil and water. Caribou are an important prey species for many carnivores in the Arctic, including wolves and brown bears. All caribou have large rounded hooves, which they use for digging for food through the snow. That's called cratering. And they also use those hooves to swim, especially during migration. They, they're thought to walk about 3,000 kilometers a year on those hooves. Uh, which make a peculiar snapping sound as the tendons slide across the hooves every time they step. Hmm. Um, and habitat loss is really their main threat, obviously, uh, especially Pipelines. significant for mm-hmm. migratory animals. Uh, climate change, increased mining exploration and development, harvest management, and mainly an absence of effective land use planning there in Canada. And now uh, we turn to the sound of a caribou herd and... Uh, yeah, it's really, you have to imagine these giant creatures with their huge antlers. This is our offering on the week of what they call Christmas. That's right. That, now, there's no sleigh bells in this recording, but you will hear an occasional sound of a human. actually never seen a caribou i'd like to i'd like to spend more time in the far far north i think i have i'm sure you have when you went on your snowy owl expeditions with (laughs) dr moriarty right yes when i was nine or ten years old i think i i believe i listeners one day billy will sit and tell us (laughs) the story of his childhood ornithology and all the amazing things he got to do when he 
you know, obsessively followed the birds around the Well, the love of North nature can Woods. come into your life um, um, very quickly and deeply at any point in your life. Mm-hmm. I happen to be living out there in South Dakota and Minnesota um, as a child, and the, um, the dreamscape of those ecosystems, the prairie, and the mm. pine forest, and mm. I feel it when I um, notice a, a vacant lot that has a certain kind of bush in it. Now we're going straight to New York urban imagery here, <laughs> but that's that's. Uh, sometimes I'm, I stop and have a, 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 a dreamy feeling, and I don't know why, and it's because there's a lower building next to me. Right, the sky that has opens more up. Sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody? Anybody uh, out in Radio Land in the mega congregation there uh, identify there with what I just what, with what I just said? Amen. I don't know why, but that made me think about yesterday and our action up at Trump Tower, and we had a we had a banner and balloons, and we were singing and sort of memorializing the the death of of Jacqueline Mucky. And um, at one point, we were really threatened by police, and the police all. Uh, so we scattered because I, I felt for sh- sure people were going to get arrested, but I had these big balloons spelling out Jacqueline's name and I didn't really know what to do. And so I just started walking with these huge balloons and I was, I had an eight person security detail following me, like eight cops, two of them in cars. They were like following me across Manhattan. And so <laughs> finally I like dipped into this little alcove park and then cut across and I lost them, you know, and I had that same feeling you have when the sky opens up when the cops go away it's a similar feeling (laughs) (laughs) anyway billy preach to us baby here here we are christmas week tell us i know listeners stop shopping christmas resistance is futile the families are infested with it trudging around covered with plastic snow and this holiday shopping season we're under lots of pressure it is the flagship ritual it's the the keystone ritual of consumerism but now we have an added an added piece of the puzzle we really don't know what to do with call it extinction it's the, regardless of the music and the humor and the, we have anguish in this radio hour of ours right beneath the surface. It comes out any, at any moment, and it is mass extinction. And we are feeling it more and more. Death. My death, our friends, our kids, our neighbors. We know... In fact, the scientists were right. And we knew this before, but something different is happening now. We're getting this strange, haunted vertigo feeling. In other words, I think that the extinction was kept at a distance for a long time, emotionally. I think something about that Irma Maria Florence Michael Paradise Malibu, something about the thickness of the smoke in the Bay Area with 
the children in cages with the wars, the permanent wars, with uh, it all somehow broke through to us. There's no emotional defense. Now, there's something coming through on the positive side. There's a response that makes sense. Uh, has anybody heard about Extinction Rebellion? Extinction Rebellion. It's breaking through. Softly, somebody is at our front door. It's the breaking through. On the, on the phrase breaking through, we have a, we have a friend on the, on the doorbell. This Extinction Rebellion comes from London, but now very quickly, it's in 35 countries. In other words, it's like Occupy Wall Street down over here at Zuccotti Park going very quickly, an idea whose time has come going very quickly to hundreds of other cities. A group of about 6,000 people meeting since the summer. On November 17th, they shut down London for a while by congregating on the five London bridges. Anybody hear about this? So they, they did something that got everybody in their city, one of the great cities of this, of this world, talking about, thinking about. They got everybody considering what extinction might be in their lives. So, so they did something locally that was dramatic enough that that, that that border wall, that Trumpian wall between knowing and feeling, it, it came in. It got through. It broke through. Now, we're made of the earth. We're made of soil and water and sky. It's in our blood. We're, we're made of animals and mitochondria, and we're made of the plants of the Amazon. That's all in us. And maybe that's why when, when it finally comes through to us emotionally that extinction is real, we feel it's the earth talking to us, the earth in a state of anguish, but also the earth in a state of love. Because that whole mix is there. If you scoop up a handful of earth from a forest floor, you have tens of thousands of organisms living in your hand. Corporate Christmas is the monoculture. It makes us all feel and think the same way. It is very hurtful. All that waste, all that CO2, all that plastic. The reindeer is going extinct, but they're dancing on our rooftops. It's a lie. Christmas is a lie, but we can have our own holy day that is the truth, and the truth will have the danger we're in as a part of it. Let that come through. Let it break through. The only way that we will be surviving ever living beyond all of this is to be with the earth. It will be strange. It will change us irrevocably. But if the earth is in us, if we acknowledge what we are, we will have a life. We will have a life. 
We will have a holy day. Some kind of earthy resurrection. Children. Earthalooya. Earthalooya. Earthalooya, Rev. This is the Earth Wants You. Christmas week, 2018. Take care of yourselves. See you in the street. This Christmas, my mom asked me what I wanted, and I told her I didn't want anything. I need no more material possessions. But if she felt like giving me something, I told her she could donate to my favorite charity or my favorite organization. So I told her to go to revbilly.com, that's revbilly.com, and click the donate button, which is there on the homepage, and give a little bit of money every week to the choir that really needs it. We don't take corporate money. We have no corporate sponsors. We are funded by the community. So if you can find that little bit of extra cash at the end of the year, send it our way. We'd really appreciate it. Arthur Leah.